Non-Christians, the biggest health epidemic right now is loneliness. They have no go-to network of friends, someone to hang out with, say, on a Friday night, someone to ask a favour from. So it's, it's harder and easier now than ever before to make friends with non-Christians. Hello, I'm Mark Hadley, and welcome to the Eternity Podcast Network Super Series, Evangelism in a Skeptical World with Sam Chan. In the 1950s and 60s, when the evangelist Billy Graham made his appeal to non-Christians to believe, he famously assured them, the buses will wait. In those days, the non-Christians who heard Billy Graham came on a church bus. That's the non-Christians listening to the gospel back then were churched non-Christians. Today, things are really different. The non-Christians we might speak to are generally post-churched, post-reached, and post-Christendom. So the methods that used to work in the 20th century are not going to cut it in the 21st century. If we're going to tell our friends about Jesus, we're going to need new approaches that take into account who they are and the world they live in. And to help us do that, we've got the author of Evangelism in a Skeptical World with us, Sam Chan. Hey, Mark. <laughs> How's that for an intro? And thanks very much That's for coming amazing. along. That's amazing. Thank you. Well, mate, this is a six-part super series that you've committed yourself to. Pretty happy. Thanks very much for that. And we're aiming at equipping you, the audience, with a collection of 15-minute evangelism life hacks that'll help you give your friends the gospel in a way they're prepared to hear it. So today's life hack, make your friends their friends. Now, right now, you and most of the people listening have two separate universes of friends, and mixing the two seems about as dangerous as crossing the streams in a Ghostbusters movie. So, Sam, is that true? Do we really live in two separate universes? I think so. Like most Christians, if you ask them, say, yeah, I do. I have a Christian universe of friends. So when the Christians go off and watch a movie, I go with them. And I have a non-Christian universe of friends. So when the non-Christians go off to the movies, I go with them. But I keep them very, very separate. Two different universes of friends. And did you actually like practically think that way? Do you think people split their mind that way? Oh, look, I'm going to go to this. Uh, that's not suitable for that group, so I won't invite any of them. Yeah, yeah. I You sort of think, okay, so we're Christians. My non-Christians aren't going to want to hang out with Christians. And after a while, you know, we might have the same interests. We like watching movies. But after a while, we have, we have different values, different worldviews. So we can't have those deeper level conversations, the deeper level bonding between us. Yeah, a guilty confession here. Sure. Films I choose, I have to go... Yeah, one I, can, one I can invite my non-Christian friends to, which I might happily go and see yeah. with him. And once, oh, no, that's a Christian film. It's safe for my Christian mates. I really am splitting things like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well then, before we get into how we bridge those universes, let's ask why. I mean, why is it important to evangelism that my non-Christian friends meet my Christian friends? I thought I was only just talking to my non-Christian friends. Why are these other guys, why do they have to be brought into the mix? Yeah, for evangelism... The news about Jesus is going to be so unbelievable to a non-Christian if they don't have any other friends who also believe it. I often like to tell my UFO story to illustrate this. I say, if I told you that last night a UFO landed in my backyard, a green man got out, invited my wife and me inside, and he took us to his home planet Jupiter. We got out, we looked around, we met his friends, his family, we had a meal. We jumped back into the UFO, and because of the whole space-time continuum, we went through a time portal, and only one second of Earth time went by. 
Then I ask who he would believe my UFO story. Most people say no. But if I told them, hey, do you believe that 2,000 years ago God sent us his son, Jesus, son of God, born of a virgin, and he <laughs> raised a dead girl back to life, and more than that, he died on a cross. You believe this, God will wash away all your sin, guilt, and shame. More than this, he rose from the dead three days later. <laughs> more than this, if you believe this, you know, your uh, his spirit will live in you right now. One day in the future, Jesus will come again. And at that moment, if you're dead, your body will rise from its grave and meet Jesus. If you're a Christian, you believe this. But you think, well, hang on, why do I believe the Jesus story, but not the UFO story. To be honest, when you put them side by side, I start to feel a little yeah, uncomfortable about, right. so about, about the, the gospel. Well, right yeah. now, I'm not quite sure. Even I can believe the Jesus story. Why do we believe the Jesus story? Well, of course, because it's true. And yes, of course, it's in the Bible. But a primary reason is we actually have other friends who believe this story. So if I say, if I tell you the UFO story, and I'm the one and only person telling you the story, it's unbelievable. But suddenly in a room full of 50 people, 50 other people believe the story and you think, hey, hang on, this is way more believable because 50 of the people that I know, love and trust also believe the story. This is believable. I need to check this out. Now, let me just dig in there because you're not sure. just talking about any 50 other people. You're talking about other people they've got to meet and value yeah. and see as normal too. That's right. So you belong in their community. So people that you know, love and trust. And so they believe it. Suddenly the story is way more believable. So I'm not talking about the truth status. Jesus is risen from the dead. That's a truth, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. But I'm talking about the believability status. So it's interesting, in the book of Corinthians, Paul says, hey, I saw Jesus risen from the dead. So that's true, whether you like it or not. Oh, but not just me, the other apostles. Oh, not just them, but 500 people that you know, love and trust. You can ask them and they also believe it. So now the story's way more believable. So our non-Christian friends, if we're the one and only person they know who believes in the Jesus story, the Jesus story is always going to be unbelievable. It might be true whether they like it or not, but it's going to be very unbelievable. But if they suddenly have other friends, our friends who are Christians, who they know, love and trust, who also believe the Jesus story, suddenly it's going to be way more believable. Okay, so let me see if I get this. So communities play a powerful role in just basically building our beliefs in general. Yeah, for okay, sure. So if I if I happen to hang around with a bunch of people who think that the Ford motor car is the best motor car ever. Yeah, suddenly it's the best car. That's it. Wouldn't yeah. matter. Someone drives up in a Holden, I'm already predisposed to disliking them. Yeah. Okay. So we end up believing, behaving, and doing what our community does, whether we know it or not. So when we were expecting our second child, we didn't know what to name him. We, you know, every parent plays his game. We don't want a common name, but we want, don't want a f weird, funky name. We want that name just right, a little bit hip, a little bit trendy, a little bit edgy. So people think, whoa, how cool is that name? So we named our child Cooper. Well, that year, Cooper was a top 10 name in New South Wales. So we're just doing what everyone around us was doing, whether we knew it or not. And I often like to ask Christians, like, do you believe that women have the right to vote? And every Christian goes, yeah. But I say, did you know 100 years ago, most Christians would have said women don't have a right to vote? Only 100 years ago. What changed? Community. So community is very powerful in forming belief. So uh, if, I, if I take that into the evangelism section, what you're actually saying is that it's not just about providing the information, but it's providing the supporting network that says, and this is 
believable. Not yeah. Just, not, just, not just information, but believable. Yeah, they have to know other people who also believe the story. So facts, evidence, and data, whether we like or not, are actually not that powerful in determining belief uh, because we explain away evidence. So if I said to you, the UFO is in my backyard right now, most of you probably would not be bothered to check it out. And if you did and you saw and touched the UFO, you'd end up saying, ah, there's some other explanation. This is a hoax. So we explain away facts, evidence, and data. So we can tell people about Jesus. We can show them the data in the Bible. Uh, we can prove it you know, as much as you can prove a historical fact. But it's still going to be unbelievable if we're the only person in their life that believes it. But if you actually bring in other people then, yeah. what, like somebody else from across the road says, I saw the UFO too. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I used to live in an apartment with three other junior doctors when I was a junior doctor. And these three other junior doctors were not believing Christians, but because they shared accommodation with me, whenever my Christian friends came over, they would hang out with my Christian friends. So when my Christian friends went to the movies, my non-Christian friends came along. And when my non-Christian friends went to the movies, my Christian friends came along. And bit by bit, after two years, all three of my non-believing friends came to church with me and became believers because they had entered a community of believers. Suddenly, they were one of many people who also believed in the Jesus story. Okay, I see the importance of having them yeah. connect. That, that's great. You, you got me there. Um, it still sounds like a big ask, though. I mean, in all honesty, how do I begin convincing my non-Christian friends to hang out with my Christian friends? What? How does the conversation go? Because my non my Christian mates are a bunch of people who believe in the virgin birth. Yeah. You know? So it's this isn't going to be easy. You know, actually say that my non-Christian friends hang out with us. Yeah. So my wife and I right now we're in a stage of life where we have so many non-Christian friends and I know it's stages of life but right now we have so many but my wife and I when we sit back and we analyse what's going on we think hang on have you noticed that most of our non-Christian friends have only moved into the area in the last two to five years meaning they have no trusted network of friends yet so it's become very easy for us to come and become their trusted network of friends and so non-Christians actually hang out for community as well. I listen to a lot of non-Christian podcasts and they're saying, hey, you know, the biggest health epidemic right now is loneliness. And 60 to 80% of Australians describe themselves as lonely. They have no go-to network of friends, uh, someone to hang out with, say, on a Friday night, someone to ask a favour from. So it's, I think right now it's harder and easier now uh, than ever before to make friends with non-Christians. Okay, mate, you just crossed the equator in this conversation yeah. because you actually went from, uh, I guess what I was talking about rather uncomfortably was sure. having having a, an evangelistic conversation and how mm. do I do that to living around with them all the time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't want to be uncomfortable, but I bet a couple of people are actually who are listening to this are feeling a bit uncomfortable too because it's just the idea of this isn't about just an event, is it? No. It's not just saying to them, you've got to come yeah. to this event or you've got to come to the church or we're doing this on Sunday night. Why yeah. don't you come and listen? Yeah, so up until now, I think we've seen evangelism as a one-off event. Like I've got to get brave enough to somehow pull out a tract and read in front of my friend or I've got to get brave enough to invite them to an event that my church has put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The minister gets yeah. up the front or the rector That's or the pastor. Right. and says, hey, this is happening Sunday night. We'd like you to invite all your friends and instantly I feel guilty. 
Yeah, so I'm saying it, evangelism is more than that. It's more than an event. It's actually a lifestyle change. The analogy I give is fitness. So fitness, every New Year's Eve, we all make the same resolutions. This year, I'm going to eat less. I'm going to drink less. I'm going to exercise more. And come January, we all start running at five in the morning. We go for a gym. Uh, we start a diet and it's unsustainable because it was an extra event that was shoehorned into a busy lifestyle. When everyone says, no, if you want to get fit, your lifestyle has to become fit. It's a lifestyle change. Evangelism is the same. It's more than a one-off event. Like, how do I tell my friends about Jesus? It's a lifestyle uh, change where I, I've got to ask myself, how can I have an evangelistic lifestyle? And my first hack is this, that somehow we have to merge our universes of friends and get our non-Christian friends to become friends with our Christian friends. And it sounds hard, but right now it's easier than ever before because our non-Christians are longing for community. And I often talk about how when I was young and single, this would happen to me all the time, I would say yes to a dinner invitation and I'd turn up and realize, oh, it's happened again. I've been set up. They're matchmaking me because he's a married <laughs> couple. He's a married couple. And look, there's a girl all by herself. And he's me, a guy all by myself. And they've actually even sat us next to each other at now, the dinner table. Fair go, Sam. Some of us actually would have been really thankful if that had taken <laughs> That's place. Right. That's obviously your I know. I should have seen how amazing it was at the time. But my wife and I now try to do this with our non-Christian friends and our Christian friends, not match them up romantically, but socially. So often we think, okay, this set of non-Christian friends, they would get along really well with these Christian friends that we have. So then we will throw an, something together, like maybe a barbecue or an outing, and we we merge our universe. Okay, so it sounds to me like you're, what you're doing is you're consciously looking at your life yeah. as, as a series of evangelistic opportunities, yeah. not... Um, waiting for the evangelistic opportunity, yeah. capital E, capital O, turn up and then just say something or do something. Yeah. Okay, so here's one for you, though. Sure. Um, it's clearly not a weekend activity. Like, I'm not going to manage this no. on a weekend. I'm not going to turn my non-Christian friends and connect them with my Christian friends. What do you do if they dodge you? What if the, the if you're going, I'm well-intentioned now, mm. um, how do you deal with the fact that that we're living in a world where plenty of people think they don't even need to make this connection. How do you start there? Wow. Well, friendships form very naturally, very organically. And apparently what's required is just frequent incidental contact. It's the reason why we can find it really easy to make friends at high school, but hard to sustain those friendships like 10 years later because we're lacking that frequent incidental contact. So maybe begin in the universes where we have frequent incidental, effortless contact where you, you don't have to make too much effort to catch up socially. So easy places would be if we're going to school or university or in a club or, you know, in the workplace where just a little thing like, you know, let's have a coffee together or, um, you know, let, let's watch a movie together. So don't actually make the gospel the goal, even mm. though it's the goal. That's right. It, create the context of community. So again, Billy Graham, back to your intro, he told them the buses will wait. Somehow the non-Christians were coming from a Christian church community at that moment. So somehow we have to create a community where non-Christians and Christians happily hang out together, naturally, organically. 
So, Sam, what's the take-home hack for Christians wanting to connect their friends? Well, we need to get our non-Christian friends to become friends with our Christian friends and see evangelism as more than just an event, but a lifestyle change. Sam, thanks heaps for that. Okay, well, there's lots more to come in the coming episodes. And if you're actually interested in what you're hearing now, we'd just like to do a quick shout out to the Eternity Podcast Network. Uh, One of the great uh, podcasts, sister podcasts, if you like, we've got uh, is with our sister, Jenny Salt. Now, Jenny Salt does a podcast called Salt. She's a Christian academic at Sydney Missionary and Bible College and basically a sweetheart with a microphone. And you can join Jenny for a 40-minute insight into someone's amazing and often unexpected spiritual journey journey, missionaries and media makers, scientists and sports people, new ages and new migrants. Salt, conversations with Jenny Salt, a chance to enter into the lives of people and discover heartwarming, sometimes challenging and often extraordinary stories. So you'll find that available on the Eternity Podcast Network or eternitypodcasts.com. Coming up in our next episode, how to persuade your non-Christian friends to come along to your Christian events. I mean, it sounds impossible, but it's simpler than you think. I know, I've read ahead and looked at the book. Till then, I'm Sam Chan. (laughs) And I'm Mark Hadley. See you then. You've been listening to the Eternity Podcast Network. Eternity Podcasts dot com dot au